Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pot of Gold Extra Point is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And brought to you by Tire Rack, the way tire buying should be. I think the only place colder than it is outside, Carter Carls, is in this podcast studio. It's like 30 degrees in here. It's pretty cold. It's cold my, outside, too. Got my too. jacket on. You got a jacket on. Usually you're wearing short sleeve shirt. Yeah. It's got your jacket all bundled up. A little chilly. It's chilly in here. It's chilly outside. It's going to be chilly on Saturday when Notre Dame, 7-2, and two, hosts Navy, 7-1, and one, at a non-sellout Notre Dame Stadium. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Eric Hansen. <laughs> Eric Hansen breaking the story this morning uh, that... Sellout streak will be no more for Notre Dame. 273 games dating back to, I believe, the 1973 season. What do you know about the 1973 season? That was way before your time, right? About 23 years before 23 years before your time. And see, that's and, I, my whole life. So that's two lives ago for me. Wow. <laughs> so, yes, Jack Swarbrick calls up Eric Hansen for a story in today's ND Insider and South Bend Tribune to say that the 273-game sellout streak will be no more. I believe Eric Hansen said about 20 minutes ago that on the secondary ticket market, fans can get in to Notre Dame Stadium to Saturday's game against Navy for the whopping low, 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 low price of $9.99. That is insane. Which is, <laughs> it, it's insane considering, I think, face value for those tickets were maybe $45, maybe yeah, 55 well, So I was actually monitoring this because I have a friend visiting a town, and he had wondered, oh, well, after the Michigan loss, maybe it's going to dip down. So that's when he looked, and he thought he was going to buy it then. And I think back then it was like $40, $50. He was able to buy a ticket for $13 last night. And you know, apparently nine ninety nine, you can get a ticket as well. I think uh, by Saturday afternoon, kickoff probably around two forty two. I think I think you're, somebody would pay your friend thirteen dollars <laughs> to go. Like here's thirteen dollars and a ticket. Why don't you go use it? And and this is, I mean, this is a ranked matchup. It is. I mean, this other than it's crazy. Other than maybe the Virginia game, which didn't turn out to be much of a game. I mean, this is the this is only the second time this year that Notre Dame will play a ranked opponent at home. The USC game, I guess, was pretty good late after Notre Dame jumped to a 20-3 lead. But this could be this could be their best home game of the year, which yeah. really isn't saying much, is it? Uh, I, yeah, probably not. <laughs> but but I mean, still, I guess it's it's the weather. And before the year, you know, a lot of Notre Dame fans are going to be coming out of town for the year. They're probably mm-hmm. looking. Well, maybe went three and ten last year. 
This is November uh, 16th. This is going to be a really cold game. South Bend got like, there were parts of northern Indiana that got like a foot of snow earlier this week. It's going to be yeah. cold. It's going to be miserable out there. I can't, I can't imagine sitting in, like, the only, the only saving grace of going to the Navy game is, especially for us writers, it'll be the quickest game of the year. It will be because that that clock's going to be running like it's going to be moving. Because Notre Navy's going to run the ball, they're going to run the ball, and they're going to run it a little bit more. So you're not going to have to sit out there for like four and a half hours. It might only be four hours. So <laughs> if there's one game you want to go to that's that's going to be over quickly, this will be the one against Navy. True, and and Notre Dame finally returned back to to playing better football last week. Beat beat, beat Duke thirty eight to seven. Was ugly at moments. Duke's not a very good team. No, but, they're not. But you saw some players flash for Notre Dame that had been missing for a while. Troy Pride Jr. Hello, I called it. You did call. It. See, why are we leading with Troy Pride Jr.? Oh, because Carter Carls called it on last yeah, week's podcast. I had to say last it. week's extra point. Troy Pride will get a pick this week. You really went out on a limb there. First pick. Since Wake Forest last year finally w- was alive, Chris Fink, he finally had a big punt return, forty-six yard punt return. He actually returned a punt. He actually it's returned not a, it's, a punt. It's not, yeah. that it, it's not that he had a big punt return. It was actually it was he didn't put his hand in the air to signal fair catch, and he wasn't waving his hands to True. get everybody away because he was going to let the ball bounce like fifteen yards. He actually caught it and <laughs> ran up the middle of the field. It's like, whoa, what's going on? You know, I, I think. There was so much criticism on Chris Fink, a captain who really didn't do a lot the the first about half of the season. But that broadcast was it finally kind of revealed. Oh, he was kind of banged up. Right. He had multiple injuries that he was dealing with. He was playing out of position for Michael Young, playing outside receiver. The last three, the last three of his four games with Michigan as kind of the anomaly. He's got five catches in each of those three of the last four games, and he's got at least 45 receiving yards in those games. And then last week had two touchdowns. That first touchdown drive for Notre Dame, he had three catches to convert third down. So Chris Fink came in the clutch for him, and and I feel like we're going to finally see him give that consistent production that that they've been looking for. And it, was, it wasn't anything as serious as maybe Jafar Armstrong and then guys like Robert Hainsey, who's gone for the year, Julian Aquara, now gone for the year. Yeah. Or my, or my, I almost said Mike Bray. Brian Kelly said late Saturday it was an ankle. It turned out to be a lower left leg fracture for Julian Aquara, so he's done for the year. It was more nagging injuries with Chris Fink, just just basically stuff that, that accumulates throughout a long season where he's got a bump here, a bruise there. He's he, 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 he This hurt, that hurt. And last week during practice was the first time that Brian Kelly felt Chris Fink was back to close to being 100%. He was he was average, he was he was clocking in at like 21 mile 21 22 miles an hour on his GPS so he knew and he told the he told the ESPN crew or the ACC network crew I should say going into that he said watch out for number 10 because he's gonna have a big game and he had a, another 78 yarder that was called back because of penalty so yeah. yeah when when we met the players afterward where down in Durham at Wallace Wade Stadium it was actually colder that night down there than it was here back in South Bend. I think it was really cold down there. Man. But w- when the players walked into the, the, the post-game interview room, guess who's holding the game ball? Chris Fink. He's holding it, and then he sees all of us media dopes, <laughs> and all of a sudden he tries to hide it behind his back like, Rick, Chris, 
What do you got behind your back there? Like we we see it. We see your like. There was no question who was getting the game ball. Humble if it, guy. If it wasn't Ian Book, Chris Fink's getting the game ball. So good, a, a good game for Chris Fink. Good game for Notre Dame because they finally go on the road and just step on opponent. Yeah. Like they they've already they they won a road game in Louisville. You were there. I was there that night, Labor Day night down in Kentucky. And it was a win, but people around Notre Dame was were kind of like. Yeah, we Man. won, but we didn't really play that well. Yeah. Couldn't win at Georgia. Obviously, no explanation of what happened at Michigan. So to go on the road and just finally really get one in that fashion, that's good for this team right now. Seven and two, three games left. Last two opponents for them, Duke and Virginia Tech, both had dual-threat quarterbacks they had to account for, running games that they had to account for, and that that was kind of the – iffy part of this defense at least at the early stages of the season and they've done well the last couple games and and I, I think that will both well for bode well for them in terms of giving them confidence because navy they've got the top rushing offense in the nation they've they're going to be completely different than those teams but oh, maybe yes. it's a building block for them something they can build upon because it, navy they have rushed for at least 290 yards on all but one opponent this season and so, and that one opponent is you don't know it, do Memphis. You? Oh, well. they, Memphis. and that's their only loss, isn't it? That's their only loss. Navy seven and one, only lost to Memphis, a really good Memphis team. So. Very good Memphis team, and so I really like uh, this Navy team this year, and, and and I think they could give Notre Dame's defense some problems. But uh, having Julian Aquara go down, it looks like Jameer Jones is is going to have that uh, heavy workload as the starter. Maybe they'll rotate Ovia Gofu in there. Uh, maybe we'll see Justin Adimalola in there. But, um, yeah, Notre Dame could have their hands full this weekend, but I think those last couple games were a good thing to kind of build upon. You're listening to the Pot of Gold Extra Point, presented by Zaxby's. Let's take a short break. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown. Back on the Pot of Gold, Extra Point, Navy Edition. With Carter Carls, my name is Tom Noy. We're from the South Bend Tribune, ND Insider, talking Notre Dame, talking Navy. And whenever whenever you start with Navy, when you talk Navy, you start, you continue, and you end with one aspect. They run the football. That's it. Malcolm Perry moved from slot back back to quarterback this year. The guy's an absolute machine. He's probably, he, he could be the best athlete that Notre Dame faces this year. Mm-hmm. I think I, I saw some a stat where... Navy only throws the ball maybe six times a game, about seven or eight. Yeah, yeah so less less than uh, less than ten pass attempts a game. So Troy Pride's not getting a pick this week, <laughs> but Troy Pride and everybody else on that defense better remain assignment correct and stick to their keys because they know Notre they know what Navy wants to do. They want to run it option here, left, right, up the middle. Better come assignment correct, or it's going to be a long afternoon. Yeah, and talking with um, Bill Wagner, he he covers Navy with the Capital Gazette. He he said that this Navy team, yeah, the triple option's always been a thing, but their triple option this year looks 
different than than that of last year because last year they didn't really have a dynamic quarterback to really operate the offense. They they did a little bit more zone read stuff. They they tried to incorporate a couple things to kind of mask their deficiencies at, at quarterback. But now that they have such a dynamic athlete in Malcolm Perry, already over a thousand yards rushing this year, they're able to do that traditional triple option offense and more. And and really the key for this defense, um, you know, you, you'll see a four yard, three yard gain and, and not think much of it. But that's what Navy craves on. They love. The 10, 15 play drives where they go four yards a play, they fight for every extra blade of grass, they are physical, they, they, they want to just wear you down, and so y- you have to fight for every yard against them. Can I use a basketball analogy for Navy? Uh, go for it. Playing against Navy for this Notre Dame team, or any team, is almost like playing against Virginia and Tony Bennett in college basketball, where... Yeah. It, you, you just you can't get frustrated. You you can't let let your mind wander for even a minute because that's when they're going to take advantage. And like you said, all they want to do their their main goal is to gain four yards of play, and then let's gain another four, and then let's gain another four, and before you know it, there's another first down. Much like in basketball with Virginia playing its pack line defense, where you can't like if defensively and even even pretty much offensively too if you're Notre Dame you can't panic you have to stay poised and you can't be like okay we've got to make a play now because you start thinking that and all of a sudden you might turn it over you might go three and out you don't get a first down and then all of a sudden here you go another 12 13 14 play drive where you're back on your heels that's like it's like playing against Virginia's defense where or you try to score against Virginia you miss a shot Virginia gets the rebound you know you're going to go back and you're going to have to play defense for a full 35 seconds. And then if they get the ball, they get the rebound, you're going to have to play defense for another 20 seconds. So you have to stay disciplined against these guys, and you can't be thinking, you can't be looking at the clock and thinking there's four minutes left in the first quarter and we've only had one drive, or there's three minutes left in the game and we're down six points because that's that's what Navy feeds off of. Yeah, I love the analogy, just you like by that? the way. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful analogy. I- I talked with linebacker Drew White about this this week, and he really did stress that like you, you can't be Superman. Like you're mm-hmm. not going to make every play. You can't focus on the quarterback and the pitch. You can't, you know, because there's there's three options. There's a dive, quarterback run, the pitch. You you can't do all three. Everyone is has their own assignment. They either have one or two of those options that they have to defend. And so you can't be worried about what's going on over there, what your teammates doing. You can't try to make every play. If everyone just does their job, um, then you can you know do well against this type of offense. And I looked at what Notre Dame did against them last year, and, and Brian Kelly seemed to kind of echo the same strategy he, he talked about cover zero which is you know you're, you're gonna play man-to-man across the board you're gonna be tight on the line of scrimmage your safeties are gonna be a lot closer your linebackers are gonna be closer um, and this is a game like Brian Kelly said earlier this week this is a game where they're fortunate to be deep at the safety spot because he said yeah he said this game is it, it taxes your safeties a lot and so Jalen Elliott and Elohi Gilman are going to have to make a lot of tackles. Kyle Hamilton, you're going to have to run him in there, and hopefully he's disciplined enough and experienced enough in what he's done the first nine games of his college yeah. career to remain assignment correct because 
the safeties, like the safeties are almost like the linebackers now. Right. They're going to have to be making a lot of the tackles. They're going to have to be looking and say, if if they do run the dive and they, they, they pop it, safeties are going to be the last line of defense. So big game this week for the safeties, Kyle Hamilton, and especially Jalen Elliott and Alohi Gilman. I think we'll see Kyle, uh, Houston Griffith as well. Yep, there you go. And that's what Brian Kelly said. Well, I haven't seen him a ton at safety until in, in, until really mop-up duty, but I think he's going to rotate. Maybe we'll see Sean Crawford there as well. Um, but last year, and I think one player to kind of watch will be Jeremiah Usukoromoa mm-hmm. because last year, Asmar Bilal was the rover, and what they did was they, they have their traditional four-man front, and they would put the rover right next to Khaled Kareem, and they'd have him kind of have that outside contained. They'd have him uh, doing multiple things, and so... With the playmaker that Jeremiah Usikoromoa is, I'm interested to see if they're going to put him on the line of scrimmage, if they're going to have him coming off the edge, uh, what his his key reads will be. And then, like you said, the, the safeties are going to be operating a lot like linebackers this week. They could have t- 10 to 15 tackles, yeah. some of them. And so uh, Houston Griffith, I can't wait to see him at safety. could be a starter next year. So I think this game will be good for him to, to get some reps maybe. You're listening to the Pot of Gold Extra Point, presented by Zaxby's. True crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Okay, we talked defensively. Is there anybody on Notre Dame's defense that is going to serve as maybe just a spy? Like, you've got Malcolm Perry, and that's it. Well, Could it be Koromoa? I think it'll be Owusu Koromoa because... you know, just watching it last year, I liked what they did with their rover. Uh, they they put him on the wide side of the field next to Kyle Kareem. They put the strong side D end. Uh, you know, so it's aligned where it's the boundaries, the closer side of the field. The field side is the wide side. So they had Kareem facing the if if you know what I mean, like his right hip would face or his left hip, I guess, would face the wide side of the field, and then they'd have the rover next to him. So. Because that wide side of the field is where you're going to have a lot of those running lanes and a lot of potential outside runs, that kind of uh, tasks the rover with with having a lot of duties with tackling in space and and getting to the quarterback, maybe getting to the pitch man at times. So I wonder if they're going to do the same thing. Obviously, this is a different Navy offense. Malcolm Perry brings a lot more than their quarterback last year, but... With the athlete that Jeremiah Wusakoromoa is, I wonder if they're going to put him out on that edge, that wide side of the field, and and have him kind of track down any of those outside runs there. And he's going to have to because this is where Wusakoromoa's athleticism is going to pay off. Because when they put Malcolm Perry in shotgun, like they're they're probably not going to pass, but just to put him in shotgun like that will get gets Malcolm Perry out in maybe a little bit more space. But if you've got number six right there on the end, that might negate some of the, the, the things that, that Navy wants to do in, in that regard. So Owusu-Koromoa, big-time possibility to, to have a huge game. The safeties, 
Yeah. Linebackers. Drew White. That's that was Drew White's first start. Everybody last year I remember yep. out in San Diego. How is Notre Dame going to compensate for for having Drew Tranquil down with that that ankle sprain? Drew White comes back or just steps in, has one of the best games of his career, his first start of his career. So he's going to have to do it again this week. Yep, and and the defensive coordinator Clark Lee has been one of the my favorite, I guess, guys to watch this year. His defense seems to change matchup to matchup based mm-hmm. off what the shrinks are of the offense. I don't know if he's always been quite like that, but I think with some of the deficiencies in the defense this year, he's felt like their best bet is to prepare on a week-to-week basis. Kind of, you know, give the looks that the offense will, or, or base your look based off of what the offense gives you. And so I'm curious, like one of the wrinkles we've seen this year, we've seen Alohi Gilman kind of operate as a linebacker on third down passing situations. You know, he'll play close to the box. Maybe he's a guy too that will spy on Perry or or will do you know uh, fill some of those alleys. I, I think Alohi Gilman will be pretty important uh, in terms of defending the pitch man and those outside runs as well. So uh, Clark Lee, it's a little bit hard to predict what he's going to do every week. You know, I mentioned what they did last year. It might not even be the case this time. But totally different game plan. Watch. I, I know, <laughs> and yeah, but but that's the thing. That's what makes Clark Lee's defense good. He's going to prepare them. He's going to give the look that he feels like is best week to week, not just the base look that you know will will be the same no matter who the opponent is. Okay, we spent like almost twenty minutes just talking about Navy and its offense. I know, but they're pretty good defensively too. They like are. a lot of people, a lot of people may not realize they look at Navy or they hear ah oh, Notre Dame's playing Navy. That means triple option. That means having to stop the run. But defensively, midshipmen. They can hold their own again. Like Notre Dame's not just going to roll out there and go for thirty-eight points like they did, or maybe forty-four last year. Forty-four last year, thirty-eight yeah. last week against Duke. But this is a good, good d- defensive unit when 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 you when you're talking about Navy. They were one of the worst defenses last year. They were awful, and they made a ton of changes. They have five new defensive assistants coaching that side of the ball. They have a new defensive coordinator. They they have completely reshifted. They they've got names for all these. They've got a striker. They got a bandit. You know, so they they have made quite a few changes. Uh, they seem to to pressure the quarterback a good amount. They're about top twenty in every category. I take it a little bit with a grain of salt because look, the offenses they're playing have limited amount of possessions. So of course they're not going to rack up a ton of yards per game. True. Or or score it a ton, but. Definitely give them credit. Different defense, much better defense, and they can't take them lightly. And this is how much I know, which is obviously not much. I <laughs> sat here last week and said, "There's no way that Ian Book should be the leading rusher on this football team going into the or in the Duke game." And then what happens? Ian Book <laughs> runs for what 700 yards against Duke. Okay, he ran for like 130 something, yeah. but. Is this the game that Notre Dame's running backs finally get back on track? Like, where have they been since it's, maybe since Tony Jones at USC against USC? It's the last time we saw any semblance of a running game. I think the the six longest rushes this year, two of them are owned by Book, mm-hmm. one's by Lindsey, one's by Jameer Smith. Um, ones by Tony Jones, like it's all over the place, it is. and and they 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 have just not had a lot of long runs by their featured guys or the guys that they thought that they would be their featured guys. Jafar Armstrong 
where was he last week? Only about six touches, right? Yeah. Um, and and he's been a guy week to week where we've said. Maybe this is the week. No, 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 no. Maybe. You've said that. Okay. You've said the key to this game. What, what game was that? Was that was that USC? I think it was USC. Or, or, was it USC? Or, it might have been. I want to say. No, it was USC. You're like. Okay. You're like the main storyline of Saturday's game will be the return of Jafar okay. Armstrong. <laughs> to my credit, it, it's funny because. I felt like before the season, everyone bought in that he is a thousand yard rusher. I, w- I felt like I was one of the only ones that didn't buy that. But oh no, now, I didn't buy it. No, 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 no. You didn't buy it either. Not at all. Okay. I said, and I remember telling Tim Priester of Irish Illustrated when we were walking down to the field uh, at, at Louisville at the toward the end of the Louisville game. I'm like, went, that was when Jafar Armstrong got hurt the first series, uh-huh. and I'm like. You know, here we go again with Jafar Armstrong. I, I I just don't see what everybody else seems to see with Jafar Armstrong just because he move, makes the move. I know his his track history and his wide receiver history back in high school. Yeah, but he 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 couldn't stay healthy much last year. His first year as a running back, and I'm like, here we go again with Jafar Armstrong. He's hurt. Yeah. We didn't know how serious the injury was at that point, but it's like they're always fluky injuries. They are like, like those. Those aren't knee normal. infection. The, yeah, he had he had a he had a cut on his knee, and then all of a sudden it turns into this, this infection and yeah. everything, and he's down, and then then he's got all sort of. Inj- it's like so this week. This week we are not saying the key to the Notre Dame offense will no. be Jafar Armstrong. No. We're not going there. We're not doing last it. year's Navy game. That was the game that fully put his skill set on display. That was like the game where it's like, oh, look what he can do as a receiver. Look what he can do on these outside runs. His his best game is what he can do in space, mm-hmm. outside runs, as a receiver in the slot. Tony Jones, he can do a lot of things. But I feel like the best way to complement this backfield is have the inside runs on Tony Jones, Jameer Smith, and then use Jafar Armstrong in space and as an athlete, and, and maybe that will help give them a versatile running game that they're looking for. How but about a swing pass? It. How about a screen, to, to uh, inside screen at Jafar Armstrong? Like, it can't be that hard to figure out a way to get number eight the ball. It, it, it can't be. It did happen twice against Virginia Tech, and it worked really well. Mm-hmm. Like, you had the swing pass on third and 11, I believe, that went for 12 yards, ran over a guy. And then he had a screen pass that was pretty slow to develop that went for 26 yards. So when he has space to work with, he can be really threatening, but they're only giving it to him like once a game. I mean, you, you can't – he, he might just not be getting the opportunities that, that he should be. And this is a Navy team that is as well as they've played defensively, again, as with many Navy teams that, that Notre Dame sees every year, they're undersized. The depth is probably an issue. So this is a game Saturday where if Notre Dame wants to keep that Navy offense off the field, they've got to put together some of their their own drives of like like we saw against Virginia Tech. How about a 13-play, 87-yard drive? Mm-hmm. Keep Malcolm Perry on the sideline because as long as he's standing over there watching, he's not running away from the Notre Dame defense. Navy's a top 20 third down defense this year, and I think – I think Chris Fink could play a pretty big role. I mean, we saw last week. You're on the Chris Fink train after I'm, last. You're I'm on starting, the slippery fox train. But but like you think about it, you look at this offense, and they've got a lot of weapons that can 
extend those drives on third downs. You have the safety blanket in Cole Komet. You can throw it up to Chase Claypool. And then Chris Fink, you know, he can get open one-on-one. And, and they're going to be allocating their defenders on Claypool and, and, and Komet. So Fink, you, you saw it last week. Now that he's finally healthy, um, he can do that. And then if you get Jafar Armstrong in space. So they they seem to finally have the playmakers to have those extended drives. It's just a matter of Ian Book being consistent and 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 doing what he was supposed to do before the season. Okay, going back and, lis- and listening and watching some of the the interviews with the players on Tuesday at the Goog. I was not there because I had basketball duties, but most of the, the four guys I think that they brought out, they all said how how much fun they they're going to have playing against Navy. Is that just lip service? It's not fun playing against Navy. Like it's a it's it's a it's a it's a three hour root canal, and they're saying, oh, it's going to be great. I forget who who said it. Was I think uh, Adi Ogundeji said, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a fun time. It's not really that fun. Well, maybe they were they talking That's, about Navy like just playing against the Naval Academy. No, they're mean, pl- this style of play? this style of offense. Yeah. Guys playing against guys like not not necessarily. Yeah. They weren't talking about the aspect of what the whole Notre Dame Navy series means in the yeah. big picture of college football and everything, but just playing against this style of offense, that's going to be fun. We'll see how much fun they have, right? Maybe, maybe <laughs> some of these guys like headbutting their teammates too. And they're, they're, they're tough suckers. I mean, Hey, it's, it's football. You got to love hitting. You got to love being physical. This is going to be a cold game. This is going to be a classic football Let's beat each other up kind of game, and might not like it, but if you do like it, probably a crazy person, and I I respect it. Option offense, yes, no, you like it? Uh, I mean, I understand why like teams like Navy and Army do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to get the, the crazy good athletes, so they need to be like a niche team that that does things in an interesting way. Uh, Appalachian State under Scott Satterfield, they recruited, they intentionally recruited smaller players that were really fast. So, like, tr- trying to be different, like, uh, I, I give Appalachian State as an example because they, they found their niche. They wanted to do different things. And in doing so, it, it proved to be effective because if you try to do what Alabama and Clemson are doing, you're going after the same players they do. Ain't happening. You're doing the same system that they do. It, it's not going to work. So, mm-hmm. if you're a team like Navy, yeah, the option's great. I mean, they're seven and one. They've had some ten win seasons um, over the last you know ten fifteen years. So uh, I love it. When it works well, it's fun to watch. Yeah, and when when it, if Navy can roll up some yards, it, it's it's always good when there's a little drama involved. Yeah, especially Navy comes to Notre Dame playing in Notre Dame Stadium. Maybe the, the crowd gets a little anxious. Sideline gets a little anxious. Malcolm Perry. I think Malcolm Perry's in line for a bit. I have, and we're what? 30 minutes in the podcast? I still don't have a prediction for this game. I, I just don't. No. I, and I've been thinking about it all day. Is it going to be a shootout? Is it going to be a, a defensive struggle? So we're going to have to talk at least another half hour. <laughs> right? I'm getting producer not happy with us. Still trying to figure out the, my prediction. So we'll get to that eventually. What do you make of Jameer Jones? How, how do you feel like he's going to hold up against this? Big test. Big test. Like, did he play much last? Unless you've played a lot against the option. Now, now Drew White is the outlier in this because 
Did he play much against it in high school? I don't know. No, no it, like last year. Last year it was. Oh my God, Drew Tranquil's out. What's going to happen? Yeah. And Drew White's like, eh, I'll just go make every tackle. So, I mean, I, I think Jameer Jones will have a chance to make a few plays. But I'm like we talked about earlier. I'm looking at Owusu Koromoa and Asmar Bilal and Drew White and the safeties to yeah. kind of to kind of take care of things. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just, you know, I feel like the defensive ends have a a much bigger responsibility than the interior defensive linemen in defending the option because usually the interior linemen, they just got the dive. That's about it. But uh, But then there goes the fullback up the field for like 27 yards. Well, yeah, I'm saying that that's really their main duty, whereas if you're a D-end, you might have to do one or two things. You might have to get to the edge and get to the quarterback. So Jameer Jones, I don't know. Like, are they? Is that going to be a guy that they target? That they say, "Hey, maybe the first ten plays it doesn't work, but maybe, maybe go right at forty-four. Maybe fifty plays into this game, he's going to be worn down because he's never played, you know, sixty plays in a game. Or yeah, whatever it might you, be. that that whole side, whoever it is, Jameer Jones and whoever it is behind him. Right. The fact that they don't have Julian Okwara, I think absolutely you're going to game plan and say, "All right, where's Khalid Kareem?" There's 53 over this way. We're running that way because we're going to make those who's ever on that other side. We're going to make them make them have to make the plays. So it's it's a tough it's a tough game for Jameer Jones to say. All right, now you're a starter. Oh, by the way, here's Navy's option offense. You got to start. You got to stop on your first start. Have fun with that. <laughs> and then going going back to offense, you will look at. Right guard, right tackle, still out. Um, Robert Hainsey and, and Tommy Kramer still Both out. Both gone for the year. Yep, and so you have Trevor Ruland as a right guard, but maybe Dylan Gibbons rotates with him a little bit. You got Josh Lug at right tackle. They've given up some pressures. They've they've given up some plays, but for the most part, they haven't been you know too bad or anything like that. They've they've held their own, but in a game where you know this this could be a wear and tear on you. Um, and they're they're going to have to really value their offensive possessions. I mean, you might get eleven possessions all game. You're not going to get many. Yeah, you, you really have to value them. I mean, got to be good. I feel like the trend for Notre Dame has been their first drive three and out, and then their second drive they score. <laughs> it's like oh, they they settled out. Okay. Yeah, you can't do that. Like that's what happened. I I think the last two weeks they won the toss. They took yep. the ball three and out against Virginia Tech. Three and out against Duke. You do that against Navy, you might get the ball back with two minutes left in the quarter, and you're down seven nothing. Exactly. So you better be good on offense. Which it's it's kind of odd that we're sitting here and we've gone so far into this podcast and not really talked about Ian Book, which no. is which is good because like what Ian Book did last week against Duke, that's the Ian Book that everyone expected. Like, Perfect. Yep. So I mean, do you? Uh... Navy, being a ranked team, being kind of the best team left on the schedule, I know Georgia, Michigan, those have bigger stakes, but will this game ultimately be maybe the defining game of the season? If they're able to finish this out, play really well, win this game, then win their last two games, have their third 10-win season in three years, uh, and they're they're fourth and five, um, will this be kind of the defining game that, they'll look to at the end of the year? I think so, because this is the opportunity, and this is what I'm going to be writing about for Saturday. This is their opportunity to wipe clean what they couldn't do at Michigan and what they were expected to do at Michigan. Yeah. Like like Brian Kelly, 
all we heard leading into the Michigan game was, my guys are experienced, they're mature, they're focused. We didn't see any of that in Ann Arbor. Now they have to be all three of those again against yeah. Navy. And you, you can't get – the ultimate goal right is, is gone. Everybody knows that. Ultimate goal for this team is win a national championship. That's not happening. Secondary goal, get to the college football playoff. That's not happening. So then you have to, you have to shuffle your goals. What's your main goal now? Your main goal is to win double-digit games for the third consecutive year, which they haven't. This program hasn't done since the early '90s. Yeah, and you can't get to ten wins unless you beat Navy. Now you beat Navy, you're probably getting to ten wins because Boston College may not be that difficult, and Stanford. I know the 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 record and, and the history out in Palo Alto is not that great, but Stanford's not not they're not a good football team. Right. So if you find if if you beat Navy and you can get to eight and two, then you're going to wind up going ten and two, and everyone's going to be like, I, I think Navy will take away some of the sting that's still kind of there. It's still kind of lingering yeah. from Michigan because oh, you, you you bounce back from Michigan, you barely beat Virginia Tech, and then you go down your roll of average to below average Duke team. I think there are still some people that are like, well, they're playing Navy. But what happens if we get a repeat of the Michigan? Like the the Michigan effort's always going to be lurking there. Yep. This is a good. This will be a good weekend to say. You know, they've moved. They the, the, they've finally moved past Michigan. Look, this is what we did to Navy. Brian Kelly has not ever had any sort of inclination toward us that he is going to move on from Ian Book. He he has been sticking by happening. his side. Yeah. And there was talk after the Michigan game, oh, well, okay, well, what about the offseason? Will, will it be a quarterback battle? Uh, having a five-game winning streak to end the year, beating a team like Navy, winning the bowl game, if they go 11-2, and two, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the season, the expectations didn't live up to that. But he would end up being like 20-3 and three or 21-3 and three as a starter. And I mean, you can't deny that that amount of, of of wins, and and I don't think he could deny it either. He even if he was to enter an off season competition with Phil Jerkovic, he, he could say, "Well, hey, I'm 21 and three as a starter. I won my last six games. I got through that adversity." He he has shown the toughness. He was tough against Duke. He was tough at the, that last drive against Virginia Tech. He's shown the willingness that he can get over this hump. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if he does. Maybe he always kind of has these flaws uh, that we've seen, but I think it's a good sign that it seems like he's keeping a level head and and winning these last six games. I mean, my goodness, that that would be really good for him going into the next season. And my thing with Ian Book has never been, well, he's got to be better here. He's got to be better there. Mine was always, why aren't we seeing him be the Ian Book that we saw last year? Like I didn't expect him to go complete seventy percent of his passes and all of a sudden become some vertical passing guru where he's just yeah. throwing it down the field fifteen times to, for for long gainers. It was man, that just wasn't like for whatever reason it, it wasn't the Ian book that we had seen last year against Louisville. We didn't see it that much. We didn't see it that much against Georgia. We didn't see it at all against Michigan. And I think, I mean, it's it's not. Brian Kelly's never gonna ha- gonna th- throw it open to for a two team or a two person quarterback competition just to have the competition. Like Phil Dracovic has got to actually yeah. threaten to push Ian Book for the starting job, and I don't see that. Right. Not yet. Or or Book's got to be 
bad enough, right? And I don't think he has been bad no. enough. Like he he's been flawed, but he's winning games. He's making plays. I mean, and even when it does, what I like about him is even when things aren't working, if the running game's not working, you know, passes downfield's not working, he'll run for 130 yards against Duke. He'll, you know, he'll he'll uh, make a few runs that or or an ex- extend a play and, and and make a big play downfield. So again, I think he's tough. Um, I believe in the Duke game they said he's he's not on Twitter anymore. He's he's kind Good. of uh, zoned all that out, and I think that's good for him because you, you talk with every player on the team. I don't know how much, how many personal shots he's receiving, but it, it's really kind of uh, interesting to hear from all his teammates. Uh, they basically, say, "My gosh, this guy's been treated so unfairly. He's had all these horrible hey, hey, things." Hey, welcome to the world of the quarterback. I, I mean, that's my thing. I, I mean, he's probably getting what a lot of quarterbacks in, in at top programs are getting but I think the fact that he's zoning that out and just doing his own thing he's toughing out these plays like he did at the end of Virginia Tech I think that's a good thing all right prediction time prediction time what do you got because I still don't know I still don't I'm picking the upset seriously I am holy cow breaking news 39 minutes wait till I wait till I put this on the on the chart I know. when it's time time to post this on <laughs> Uh, uh, it, it, on our system. So Carter Carls, it's prediction time, ladies and gentlemen, and he is picking Navy. Navy. I was shocked that th- that Notre Dame opened as a double-digit favorite. They were mm-hmm. like 10-and-a-half favorite to open the week. I have Navy winning 24-20. to 20. I think the injury bug has gotten Notre Dame just a little too much. They've got to value every single possession on offense, and their offense is just a little too inconsistent for my liking. And then they've had problems defending the run at times, and I think Navy's just going to ultimately wear them down. They'll be playing with a lead for most of the game, and they'll pull it out at the end. So 24-20 Navy. All right, I got to make a prediction, don't I? You do. Let's go 31-28 Notre Dame. Jonathan Doerr hits a field goal in the closing moments, not the closing seconds. Closing moments of the fourth quarter, Notre Dame escapes Navy. The sellout streak is gone, but the Irish move to 8-2. and 31-28, is that what I said? 31-28. 31-28. All right. You I'm going 31-28. You're going 24-20. Yeah. So, so Okay, we've got, we got a couple seconds left. Sure yeah. you don't want to backtrack, walk that back a little bit? I'm 100% you're, you're, on. You're sticking to it. I, I had Troy Pride last week. I'm about to be two for two <laughs> with my prediction. The whole Jafar oh, Armstrong thing, God. I was dead wrong, so I got to start being right. But now now our listeners, you're, you're their favorite. So the, Oh, this week I am, huh? Yeah. Usually I'm their favorite. but <laughs> You're always you, their favorite. me. <laughs> two weeks in a row, Troy Pride, if, they, if Navy wins this game, are we even going to find a room big enough for you to fit in next week? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'll have way too big of a head. Are we doing a podcast next week? Yeah, we're we're moving out of this building. So we'll be yep. – I don't know where we're going to be doing it. We're going to be doing it in a new place, Union Station, downtown South Bend. So next week, Boston College will be coming to you from New Digs. I have spent 27 years in this building, and in the next 10 minutes – I'll be walking out of here for the final time. Wow. How about that? <laughs> Man. 
A little bit more than my Speechless. 15 months. <laughs> yeah, 15 months. Oh, look at our producer. He's got something that he's got to do. We might just sit around here and talk. What are your top 10 memories of the South Bend Tribune building? <laughs> just kidding. All right, we'll talk to you next week. We'll do this read. We'll get out of here. The Pot of Gold Extra Point is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And brought to you by Tire Rack, the way tire buying should be.